Welcome to the latest edition of Information's Crossroads Podcast. Joining me today is Roddy Devlin, a partner in Nixon Peabody's Project Finance and Public Finance Group, to discuss the March 31st unveiling of the 2.55 trillion America's Jobs Plan and how it'll impact infrastructure developments as it relates to both projects and potential P3s. Uh, welcome to the program today, Roddy. Thank you, John. Thank you for having me. So, the act, which proposes to be funded by an increase in corporate taxes to 28% from 21% and implemented over an eight-year period, offers spending in several different categories related to transportation, clean energy, water, and broadband. Some of the newer categories include funding for electric vehicle charging and introducing storage as a beneficiary of an expanded uh, investment tax credit, or uh, better known as ITC, uh, and amending uh, Section 445Q tax credit, which addresses carbon capture. First off, Roddy, we have a very bold plan here. Every element of infrastructure and, and alternative energy is addressed that, that is going to be addressed. And I don't think President Biden got to every category in yesterday's uh, speech to talk about it. But uh, dating back to some Passover traditions, uh, why is this proposal different relative to other infrastructure plans that you've seen? Thank you, John. It certainly is different. I mean, it's not just its size. As you mentioned, it's a $2.55 trillion plan over eight years, which would, you know, makes it the largest plan since uh, since World War Two. So it's it's you know seismic in its uh, in its size and scope, and you know it truly is once in a, a generation plan. So that that makes it different. But the other thing that really marks it out, you know, against almost every other infrastructure plan we've seen for the, for the last decades, is is that it is a very politically driven. Program and I'm not saying that in a in a bad way at all. You know, you know, President Biden has been quite plain that you know addressing you know racial disparities and racial justice issues is kind of front and center to his infrastructure plan. You know, he's made it clear that uh, that you know, he views infrastructure as being one of the one of the means of kind of perpetuating you know, racial inequalities, and he's looking to reset that. And he's been quite uh, quite direct in saying that the plan is is going to focus you know, potentially forty percent. Of its uh, investments in low-income and poor communities of colour, you're recognising that uh, poor public transportation has disproportionately impacted low-income communities over the years, as has your know, poor school infrastructure, poor water infrastructure. You know, it's a it's a very broad, broad plan, and it it's not to say that other plans aren't political, but they're not as overtly political. I mean, deciding to to focus your investment plan on, on roads, bridges, tunnels, airports is in and of itself a political decision, as most past plans have. So it's just putting putting the politics front and centre and kind of making that a, a driving force is a, is is new and definitely marks this as a as a, as a different you know a different type of plan. As you mentioned, your green energy and energy resilience and and your climate you know, climate issues are front and centre to this plan as well. You know, as you mentioned as well, that uh, you know, he's looking to you know, to move most of the federal fleet of vehicles to electric vehicles, which is a, a, a seismic change. I mean, given the amount of, of your know, vehicles, trucks, vans, your cars that uh, that the feds have, you're moving those to fully electric. You will have a real significant impact on the electric vehicle market, including you know, the you know, the the need for for charging stations across across the nation. So I think that's the two things that make it make it really different from other plans are the, the size and and the the real the recognition that the infrastructure has always been political and trying to you know trying to to use infrastructure to address his political his particular political agenda right now. Your Marxist is a different type of plan. So Roddy, the um, 
clean energy aspects of the bill really create uh, clear uh, incentives uh, for development. Uh, this includes uh, the investment tax credit and how it applies to, to areas like battery storage potentially, as well as carbon capture. But when we get to the transportation elements, which um, a lot of um, you know P3 professionals probably are taking a look at, um, they're seeing about $620 billion uh, spent for various portions of, of transportation, um, replacing old bridges and highways and um, transit, electrification of transit, which was talked about uh, by Biden yesterday. Um, can you just walk us through the immediate f effects of the bill from your purview and what the medium and long-term effects might be? Sure, sure. You may, I mean, you're, you make an interesting point that, that, that even even the allocations of of your know, priorities of spending is 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 pursuing you're pursuing his agenda eh, in that you know there is a you know a substantial amount of money set aside for you know, for traditional highways. I think it's it's a thirty five percent increase over over past funding levels, which sounds like a lot, but proportionally that's that's that that's a, a you know a C minus in the in the Biden plan in that there's a four hundred percent increase in in real transit investment. So there's there's a definite emphasis on, on de-emphasizing traditional your roads, bridges, tunnels, in favour of uh, of public transportation, which is uh, which is interesting. Uh, but to to you know, to get back to your question directly, your short term versus long term impacts. I mean, the the, the good thing is there are lots of, of existing programs and mechanisms for getting federal money out the door quickly in the transit space. You know, Tiffia being being one of them, but there's many other mechanisms where you know that money can can funnel through relatively relatively quickly. And so I you know if this plan does come to fruition, I could I, you know, I could see the money coming into the states relatively quickly. And the states are starved for, for infrastructure investment. I mean the the needs are are truly significant. Uh, your President Biden identified your ten your ten major your major bridges and you know, across the nation which have been you know, needing replacement improvements for, for decades. It's not as if this is you know this issue suddenly arisen during the, the Biden administration. The transactions are there, the needs are there. Uh, there has been you know, historical underfunding of American infrastructure for decades, and there's a pent-up demand, a pent-up need for, you know, for for everything from your know, improved your know, school infrastructure, your know, water, wastewater, your know, roads, bridges, tunnels. Not to no, not not even to mention kind of the new areas of of green energy and, and your know, technological development that he's focusing on. So there's, you know, there's I wouldn't say that there's you know the Projects are necessarily shovel ready in the sense that uh, when the money comes out, people will be going to work in in two or three weeks. But there's there's a lot of projects out there that could do with this money very very quickly. And, and I think if the if the Biden administration follows through, that this could have a, a real impact, you know, very quickly. Yeah, I mean we you know at information and elsewhere. I mean we're covering specific projects that are along the lines of procurement right now. And you know there's a little bit of state political heat, if you will on uh, projects such as the Pennsylvania uh, Bridges project where, you know, again, there, there wasn't the 10 bridges by uh, President Biden was talking about, but I'm, I'm sure the, the motives are clear. You know, these are older bridges that Pennsylvania is trying to get modern uh, infrastructure in place on. And then um, you have the Louisiana program, which has always uh, been there. Um, they got Bell Chase done and they want to uh, get the Calsco Pass project done uh, next. And Alabama's trying to improve their, uh, their I-10 uh, corridor as well just to name a few uh, that are out there. And now you also yep. have Austin, yep. uh, Texas, with their measure that they passed at the elections uh, to get a $7 billion infrastructure package um, across yep. uh, for I, lots I, of things. 
Um, so no, there's certainly you know, projects out there. Through, no, no shortage of projects like you talked about. For sure. I'd, I'd throw LA Metro into that list as well. Sure. We've got a very adventurous band that's been, been on the on the drawing board for a long, long while. And, and you know, so there's, there's death, you know, in terms of are, are the projects there? Absolutely. Uh, you will the, the states, municipalities, cities, you'll jump at this money? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you know, in terms of short term, you know, if, if the money really does start to flow, you know, the projects are there that can, can, you know, can lift it up quite, quite, uh, you know, in, in the short term. In the long term, I mean, if this plan comes to fruition, it, it truly has a prospect of being transformational. Uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's well known that, you know, that, you know, the underinvestment in American infrastructure has a real impact on, on the U.S.'s economic competitivity and everything from you know, sitting in, in traffic jams and underserved roads to to you know, you know, having airports which aren't conducive to inward investment and conferencing and, and it's you know, the, the impact that the poor infrastructure has on the American economy is, is myriad and, and this this you know, this, uh, this program has the potential to address that and you know in terms of the racial injustice it's you know. To put that front and center of the infrastructure plan is is your new, uh, and as I say, I don't I, I don't think this is a when I say it's a political plan, it's not a criticism because I think all infrastructure plans are political. This this one is wearing its uh, wearing its politics in its sleeve. Uh, so if 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 again it manages to to achieve what it's both you know focusing on doing, including you know putting forty percent into underserved communities, that again has the opportunity to be you know transformative in the in the long term, uh, so yeah, I, 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 it's an adventurous plan, and it's, uh, it's you know both in the in the short and long term, it's, it's got lots of lots of uh, prospects of creating real change. Okay, well, let's talk about the mechanisms a little bit more. Um, do you think it was a mistake not to um, again? This maybe more applies to the transportation aspects and the water uh, aspects of it. Uh, to establish a permanent pool of capital, whether it be um, a federal infrastructure bank on par with um, the Canadian Infrastructure Bank and, and EIB, or perhaps sequestering a budget specifically for infrastructure. Um, was it a mistake then to, to make it very clear in the bill this is what they were trying to do or or not? It's a very hard question. I mean, I, I, you're having a, a federal infrastructure bank that's you know, with an established source of of financing would would be great. I mean, that would be a real shot in the arm for you know for long long term stability when it came to to infrastructure investing. But it's a bit of a chicken and an egg issue. I mean, if if you're going to you know, line everything up until it's until you've got the and the perfect system in place, that will kind of distract you from getting the projects out the door. And I you know, I think you're in in making you know the the agenda behind the infrastructure plan so apparent and so central. I think it's going to be easier in some ways to get you know, to get broad support behind it. I mean, to be blunt, you know, uh, you know, people in the infrastructure space, such as myself, we find it interesting, we find it sexy, but infrastructure isn't necessarily the sexiest topic in the in the in the agenda. And you know, the the Biden administration is doing a lot to to put it more centrally. You know, the fact that Mayor Pete is the is you're heading up the Department of Transportation and taking a central role in you know a central role in the infrastructure plan is is important to me. And you know, I, I, when you turn on late night television and you find your know, Mayor Pete on there talking about infrastructure, that that's new. And that, that hasn't happened before. So it's a it's a it's a new it's a new focus and a new you know a new way of coming at uh, coming at infrastructure. So to circle back to your question, an infrastructure bank would have been great. 
uh, to have more certain funding in place would have been great. And you know, we'll probably talk about this, but you know, the, the the main source of financing for the plan is is a, a material you know, increase in taxation, which you know, is is going to be difficult to to get through a divided Congress. I think to wait for an infrastructure bank to get that lined up in place would have slowed down the process and slowed down getting it out the door and getting out the door an infrastructure plan that has your know, clear policy agendas that have very wide support, not just among Democrats, but among Republicans too, you know, is, is you're going to you'll hopefully build some momentum to get this thing moving, even with the lack of an infrastructure bank. And infrastructure banks, your know, things change too. I mean, the, there is a, a thought that if you have an infrastructure bank, then at least that provides some stability across administrations. And if there's a change in the executive, then at least you have that, you have that base there that kind of continues the funding. But your know, funding can be cut off too. The, the mere fact you have an infrastructure bank doesn't doesn't mean that it's always going to be there. The funding sources can be can be cut off and directed elsewhere. So I hope that will come in time. And you know, from a chicken and egg perspective, once these projects start rolling out and once the money starts you know, hitting the streets, if there's a recognition that the federal infrastructure bank would be a more efficient way of uh, of kind of funding this money through, then then that that could well come. And I, I said maybe supportive of that if the, if that becomes part of the plan. Excellent. Thank you for that answer. Um, so let's talk about some of the elements of the package itself. You know, I mentioned transportation for transportation before being only uh, six hundred million of the, the package billion. Sorry, of the package, and then it goes on to address, um, like I said before, clean energy, water infrastructure, which um, President Biden did point out yesterday. Uh, it's severely underinvested at this point, and then on to broadband and uh, getting a hundred percent of the country. Um, fully uh you know connected uh, to the internet um which sort of um you know goes back to the the wi-fi being a, another utility soon i think that we're we're coming closer to that that day uh given some of the language around that bill uh yesterday but um you know what was your sense of, of transportation relative to some of these other categories i mean how do you think about it i mean was it fair in the sense that it tried to address everything could have been more focused on certain categories, um, what are your what are your thoughts on that? You know, fear, fear is a, a difficult concept. It's very much in the eye of the eye of the beholder. I mean, it, it was a it was a plan that, that throws the the net wider when it comes to infrastructure than than other plans. I mean, other other plans in the past have, have looked at infrastructure purely as being your know, transportation roads, bridges, tunnels, airports, and and uh, you know, sometimes ignored even even your basic water wastewater infrastructure. So this this is a is a plan which you know, focuses on, on on infrastructure in a broader a broader way. So your know, transportation is is a is a you know is I think it's forty percent of the overall overall plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, you're focusing on affordable housing, low income housing, right, your right. schools, universities. I mean that that's that's all you're know, perfectly valid. I mean that that's that's absolutely infrastructure and you know if if the purpose of infrastructure is to improve people's lives and to and to have your make your make seismic improvements in people's day-to-day then you know we are better to start than their than their homes uh, i mean again there's been kind of chronic underfunding of, uh, of public housing low-income housing at the federal level for for many years and this plan is adventurous in kind of addressing the, the needs of that uh, of that sector, everything from energy retrofitting to you know, to to reinvestment to get it to get it to, you know, to get new new affordable housing you know, in in the urban areas where it's uh, where it's needed. Uh, your schools again have been kind of chronically underfunded, and you know, from a 
from a racial justice perspective, you know, both of those focuses you know, are, are kind of again central to to Biden's desire to kind of redress the the racial imbalance that has been kind of you know implicit in a lot of the the, the federal investments over over the years. So uh, your know, fear is a, a difficult one, but uh, but it, it's it's a it's a an adventurous, aggressive plan, uh, and and you know maybe it pushes the the boundaries a little of what's infrastructure. You're looking at uh, your other policy considerations, your healthcare workers and, and home care workers, and, and your childcare. You're coming come into that come into the plan too in a way which is kind of pushing, you know, perfectly legitimate policy goals, but maybe pushing the the infrastructure title a little too far, but. Uh, yeah, you know, it's it's you know, it's an adventurous plan, and, and you know, I, it's I don't think the underfunding of uh, uh, of of transportation, given you know, given the size of the investment, you know, ev everything is getting more. You know, including surface transportation was reduced on those. Everyone's getting more. Just uh, some areas are are getting are getting more and more, <laughs> uh, recognizing that there has been have traditional underfunding in those areas. Well, let's um, move over to uh, the the P three aspect of it. I mean. Obviously, what we saw this in the first quarter was uh, the advancement of some projects that were gestating uh, for a while. Uh, to your point, Roddy, you mentioned um, LA and the Sepulveda uh, transit project, um, which finally picked proponents uh, to uh, build rail um, from the San Fernando Valley to LAX in a, a deal that will not reach um, financial close in, you know, for, for two years. It's not going to be shovel-ready for a while um, as they pick, uh, you know, what the, what the method's best uh, to get that project uh, moving. Uh, and then on the East Coast, the um, Maryland uh, Managed Lanes uh, project, it has many names, so I apologize for our listeners um, <laughs> who might object to what I'm saying, but you, you understand what I mean, in which we did, we got to a proponent with um, Transurban and, and um, Macquarie Capital to build managed lanes um, across um, multiple highways um, as the start of a much broader project but those are the big mass civil projects. I mean, what's been going on the past few years has been a lot of university projects, um, a couple solar, pro uh, sorry, social projects, that's what I meant, and some other smaller projects, if you will. Uh, but again, the US market, as Roddy uh, knows and everyone else knows, it's a choppy market. Projects happen and then, and then they don't. I mean, it's all kind of uh, laden in politics and uh, funding decisions and a lot of things um, all in. So, uh, a mouthful I've just said, but uh, Roddy, what, 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 how do you think the this bill might influence P3s or incentivize P3s uh, yeah. in this country? I, when, when President Biden was candidate Biden and he released his infrastructure plan, a lot of us kind of crawled through that to see to see where P3s you know came in, and your P3s were, were part of the of the candidate Biden's plan, but mostly on on the the green energy you know innovative technology approach where your know, kind of private sector innovation and and partnering was was key but it didn't it didn't form a great part of the your know, Canada Biden's your your infrastructure proposal the the plan that was released yesterday again a little light in details and it doesn't certainly doesn't put p3s front and center a but yeah I in the very you know the but at least it's it's agnostic as to mechanism, and your know, P threes don't come from the federal level down. P threes come from the the local level up. So you know the decision P three or not P three is not a it's not a federal decision. 
you know, the the mechanisms for you know for getting federal funding downstream are agnostic as to as to the the, the, the procurement methodology. Your TIFIA works perfectly well for design build or 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 a, a full blown design build finance operate maintain. It's agnostic as to how it's used. So what what does it mean to for P threes? I mean on 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 transportation you know, the more volume of transactions you have, the more P3s you're likely to have. It's as simple as that. Then you, you don't have any P3s if you're, if you're not doing any transactions. So if the money is is coming down from the feds and, and your know, long delayed projects are happening, then the projects that make sense to do as P3s, I think will be done as, as P3s. As well, we know your P3s are not right for every project by any means at all. You know, if you look at the the more developed P3 markets, you're typically there. You know, eight, eight to fifteen percent of the projects are done as is P threes and the in the P three markets. You know, generally the ones with, with more complexity where the, the risk transfer makes sense, makes sense to bring in uh, a private party to take more of that share on. And, and you know, heaven knows the US has many of those complicated projects, many of those ten bridges that uh, that Biden specifically called out are complicated, you know, projects in in developed urban areas with a very you know, small footprint to work within and, and P3s and private innovation risk transfer around those work well with those types of complicated complicated projects. So I think I think you know your know, P3s will do well if this program comes to fruition just on volume and volume alone. But you know this this program is also you know rife with innovation, R and D and and you know, an invitation to your know, public authorities and private investors to, to put their thinking caps on and do things in a in a different way. I mean there's you know there's there's a lot of potential money in there for you know for green innovation, for new energy sources, your know, smart city initiatives. And that's where the private sector can really come to the fore. I mean I think you know, your private sector operator could to be honest, I could look at these proposals and and meld many of them together, many different sources, you know, maybe some tax rent financing, some some grants and some some new approaches and come up with a with a project which addresses many needs in in one. I mean, there's been a lot of talk of of smart city initiatives and smart city developments over the last uh, you know, five to ten years, but this uh, this program, if if implemented, is you know the prospect of really giving that a shot in the arm. And again, that's where the the private sector would really you know, really you know, show its value. Okay, so let, let, let's talk about smart cities. Um, yeah, that's again that is uh, to your point. It's been talked about more than than executed on quite yet. Probably the more noticeable uh, project that we saw in North America was um, Sidewalk Infrastructure Partners was trying to do a smart city concept in Toronto and that didn't really, that, that just fell through. And haven't seen much else yet other than I think some of these smart lighting projects that um, we've seen come and go over the years have certainly embraced the smart city concept. And I think, um, Roddy, if I'm not mistaken, the 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 mobility program in Georgia is trying to embrace something like this and how they're they're doling out their uh, road program. Let's talk about how this bill could help uh, with with smart city development. What are some of the elements you're seeing out there that could help yeah. develop this? Well, it helps to kind of ask you know, what 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 is a smart city development? And, and oh, that's another like big P3. question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like like P threes, you know, it's it's very much in the eye of the beholder. But you know, it, it, the essence of a smart city, you know. Project or innovation is one which kind of looks look at a, looks at an urban setting your know, setting and and identifies a problem and tries to find you know, a solution to that using you know, using technology. That, that's one that's one way of looking at it. 
And you know, the, the Biden plan is 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 keenly focused on quality of life issues and improving improving people's homes, you know, local transportation issues, all of which kind of you know, hit hit the hit the smart city kind of spot, you know, spot on. So, you know, everything from your know, technical innovation and affordable housing to improving you know, improving your urban your urban transit. I mean that that's all that's all your smart city smart city relevant. Uh, you know, part of the trouble with with smart city you know, initiatives has been been funding funding sources and and you know, you're trying to create revenue from these projects, and and that that's been a problem. I and mean, it's not it's not been easy to kind of identify you know, beyond kind of advertising and, and Wi-Fi where the revenue sources are potentially to support these projects. You know, maybe parking fees and and sidewalk usage fees and and the like too. But it's been difficult to kind of make these projects self self-sustaining. Uh, and you know, when you look at the Biden plan, that is that is your your potentially seed money and investment money to get projects off the ground, your proof of con- your proof of concept approaches too. So I you know it has the potential to kind of you know, get over that that hurdle of 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 you know, getting a few projects up and running to see you know so that they become you know, kind of marquee projects and, and suddenly everybody everybody wants one. And if there's some federal funding to kind of help bridge the gap and make projects which are you know, very sensible and and would be real quality of life improvers, but have been difficult to get, to get financed before. There's a possibility of some of this uh, energy, your know, technology funds or your know, transit funds, which are being directed to urban environments, being used in in this way. I think it could you know could, could be really be a, a great push in the the smart into the smart city initiative. Great to finish it off, Roddy. We're going to throw a loaded question at you. Um, so. You have new jobs, you're rebuilding infrastructure, and there's definitely bipartisan support at Congress as evidenced by uh, some of the um, infrastructure proposals uh, proposed in the first quarter of the year. The proposal is, uh, includes being funded by corporate tax hikes. President Biden dared anyone to enter the room yesterday and said, well, come up with proposals, I'll listen to you, um, but it's not gonna be involving taxing uh, people in the middle class. Uh, he made that very clear yesterday in his speech. So seems like corporate tax hikes is going to be the the funding mechanism start to start off with is this going to be enough to um still get a bipartisan bill passed even after all that um or are we going to wind up going into reconciliation uh the way we did with the um the the, the cares act yeah give me a very easy easy one to finish on john <laughs> thank you for that yeah I, my crystal ball is as cloudy as, as everyone else's i mean it's your know, infrastructure Traditionally, has the prospect of being bipartisan. You know, it's a it's a jobs bill in many ways, which is the, the and it it already is bipartisan, right? We've seen it by some of these proposals. Clearly, both sides of the house have an incentive agreed on a few proposals already in the first quarter, so it's there for sure, for sure, absolutely right. These projects are ultimately local projects, and and your politicians like bringing projects home. So if they can, you know, if they can kind of get on board with this project and point to a new bridge or a new. You know, New schools, or, or whatever it might be, locally, then that that's a win for them. So there's a lot of there's a lot of political pressure to get this thing 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 moving. On the other side of the table, you that you Biden is proposing a significant you know, tax increase to to cover this, which will not not garner significant bipartisan support. And as you mentioned in his announcement yesterday, he was he clearly drew the contrast between you know, his tax increase and the, the tax cut in the last administration and kind of was quite uh, 
quite quite blunt in saying that you know the that uh, you know that that tax cut you know, had a, a massive impact and. Uh, on federal revenues, and this is going in the opposite direction, and he was daring people to challenge it. You know, he was, he was, you're being quite, quite, you're quite clear that uh, he's looking to kind of redress what he saw sees as being an imbalance, and uh, and he's challenging folk to you know to you know to to say no <laughs> to his program. Uh, bipartisan or not, I, mean, I I don't see any possibility of the tax increase being being bipartisan. You know there are. This is a plan that's going to you know, fall into many separate pieces of legislation. There's certainly some of this legislation that will be more more bipartisan than, than others, but it is you know largely doable by reconciliation. And you know the Biden administration has shown itself to be willing to to get uh, the vice president in there to to cast that vote. So I I I you know I'm going to walk the line and say that certain elements of this of this program this plan, when broken out into separate pieces of legislation, will be will be easier to garner. Bipartisan support, as, as some already have, but ultimately, I don't see any bipartisan support for the for the tax increase, which kind of underlines this uh, underlines this 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 plan overall. Uh, but I could well see the Biden administration just biting the bullet and getting that done through uh, through reconciliation as being a key part of his uh, his policy agenda. So watch this space. Yeah. Well, it's going to be an interesting couple of months, um, but for now. Uh... You know, uh, we, we are going to go into congressional recess and have to pick up the debate in a couple of weeks. Um, in the meantime, Roddy, thank you uh, for getting on the podcast today. Really appreciate your time. Pleasure, um, Thank you for having me. For the listeners out there, uh, well, you have opening day of baseball later today and Easter weekend to look forward to. So uh, thanks for uh, listening in today. And uh, we'll look forward to hearing from you next time around. Uh, Burke out.